Amen. Let's pray together. God, we've sung those words. And to be honest, Lord, we've been trying to live them out over the last few months. Lord, there have been some very hard things that we've been going through. Lord, we think of those uh, who have lost jobs. It's been a hard season. Lord, we think of those who have parents or loved ones who they can't see in a nursing home. Uh, God, it's a hard thing. We think of those who've lost loved ones and can't really fully say goodbye. For those who've gotten married or wanted to get married and the rules and things make inviting lots of people difficult. For those who've wanted to be gathered together in your house with your people and aren't able to, Lord, it's hard. Lord, we've also seen the good. God, we've seen the gospel go forward. Lord, I praise you that you are alive and active and well and yet your guidance and your direction are so clear. God, and you're with us and in confusing times, Lord, you know the end from the beginning. I find that amazing. You know how the whole thing works. You know the big picture ways we'll never understand and yet you have numbered the hairs on the top of our head. God, no detail escapes your beautiful glade. I pray, Lord, that in the good times and in the hard times, Lord, we are committing ourselves to follow you. And so I pray now, Lord, as we open your word, that you would show us how to follow better. We want to be worthy of your kingdom. We want to be worthy, Jesus, of the sacrifice you made for us. We want to follow your example. So come at this time and teach us in our homes, here in this building, Wherever we may be, God, be present with us, directing, guiding, leading, and teaching. And Lord, for our part, as for me and my house, for this church, for churches around West Michigan, for churches around America and around the world, we are saying we will follow you in the good times and in the hard times. And so Lord, come and show us the way we are to go that we might fulfill what we've said we would do and follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to begin this morning with a discussion question. And so I'd like you to take an opportunity. Uh, maybe you're gathered with a few friends, um, less than 10, gathered together. <clears throat> maybe you're with some family. Maybe you're by yourself. Wherever you are, what I'd like you to do is take a few minutes and here is our discussion question for you to be able to discuss together. Again, if you're by yourself, I'd love you to just take notes and think through kind of the answer to this question, write down some thoughts that come. What were rules that you had growing up or rules that your mom and dad have for you right now? Sort of rules that are kind of uh, how your family runs. So for example, in our family, one of the rules growing up was if you were outside playing, you had to be within earshot of mom or dad standing on the front porch yelling for you. Any further than that, too far away. We also had rules about curfew. We were pretty strict, we. Mom and dad were pretty strict about curfew. There was no missing curfew unless you called or made arrangements ahead of time. So take a few minutes, I'm just wondering, what are the rules that your mom and dad have for you right now? Or what are the rules that you grew up under 
Take a minute and discuss that together, if you will. All right. I uh, don't want to interrupt good discussion, but I'm going to. So hopefully you had a chance to think through some of those things. Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, I heard this verse a lot growing up. But interestingly enough, it wasn't usually in connection with the rules. It tended to be connected with some other things that my parents might tell me to do. Things like, Jim, it's time to clean your room. Or, Jim, it's time to turn off the video games. Or, Jim, please get up off the floor, stop screaming and yelling and pounding your hands and feet in the middle of the Kalamazoo mire. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> yes, that's a true story. <laughs> Those sorts of not kind of rules, universal rules, but just kind of the in-the-moment instructions. And I heard Ephesians 6 a lot in connection with those sorts of things. It's time to obey your parents. Now, I'm guessing you perhaps had some similar experiences. Maybe you had lots and lots of Ten Commandment kinds of rules growing up. When I thought back and tried to think through them, there weren't that many in our house. There were a lot of times in which I was given instructions and asked to obey those, and I tended to hear Ephesians 6 in connection with those things. And I bring this up because when we think about obedience in the Bible, we often think about obedience simply in connection to obeying the rules. That's certainly important, but I think there's more to it than that. Now, we're talking together in the book of Titus, Titus chapter 3 especially, about who we are now in Jesus. Last week, we looked at how we become new creatures in Jesus, how by accepting the good news of what Jesus does for us, we become new. And we're talking today and in the next few weeks about what are some of the character traits of these new people that we have become and are becoming in Jesus. And the first and most important character trait in Titus 3 is to be obedient. And we want to think together about what does it mean to be obedient. And it's helpful if we think through children obey your parents because God is our father and we are his children. And so that verse applies not just to children and parents on earth. It applies to all Christians in our obedience to our heavenly father. And as we reflect upon how we had rules and other things in our homes as we were growing up, that can help us think through how does obedience work in God's kingdom. For example, one of the black and white rules in the Bible is don't forsake assembling yourselves together. We're supposed to gather together as a church week in and week out. Month after month, we're supposed to assemble together and we're supposed to worship the Lord in community. That's a rule. But the question is, how do you obey that rule or how do you obey God in the midst of the current environment that we're in? Does worshiping God at home over the internet, does that count? Yes, it does. 
When should you gather again as a church? How should you do it? How should social distancing work? What might some of the rules be when we gather together at a church? When would it be right for you to return? How should we do that? That black and white rule about don't forsake assembling yourselves together, that doesn't cover the current situation that we're in. And so the question is, how do you and I obey the Lord in the midst of the environment in which we find ourselves? And so what we want to talk about today is obedience. What is obedience? Why is it so important? And then how do we go about being obedient children to our Heavenly Father. So let's start with the first question. What is obedience according to the Bible? Well, if you read the Bible, the word obedience or words related to obedience are all over the Bible. But there is a pattern that if you look carefully, you can begin to notice there are a group of things or, or, or statements about obedience that have to do with obeying the rules. The Ten Commandments are sort of the prime example of this. The Ten Commandments uh, say things like, you shall honor your father and mother, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain, don't lie, don't steal, don't covet. These are black and white rules and lots of the Bible talks about, look, obey the rules. These are the rules, do them. Now, interestingly, in the Bible, the verbs that are used in connection with the rules tend to be verbs like, at least how they're translated in the NIV, the translation we use here, they're translated with words like keep, observe, and follow. Those tend to be the verbs that go with the rules. Keep the Lord's commandments. Follow the Lord's decrees. Observe all that I have given you to obey. There are black and white rules written down for us in God's word. And an important aspect of obedience is to keep the rules. Observe the rules. Follow God's commandments and decrees. But there's more to obedience than just that. There is another aspect and many of the words or instructions or verses about obeying have to do more with things like when I said in my family, Jim, turn off the video games. They tend to be instructions from the Lord. When God says to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, that's not a universal black and white rule. It's not like the 11th commandment is, thou shalt leave your home and go to a new land. But for Abraham, this was a specific instruction that God gave to him. And the response to that specific instruction was, Abraham obeyed. And so we see in the Bible there is obedience to the rules, there is also obedience to the instructions that God gives to each one of us individually. And it tends to be in the New International Version, the NIV version that we use, that the verbs that get used with this set of things are verbs like listen, hear, 
and yes, the word obey. The word obey tends to be used more often with instructions, while verbs like keep, observe, follow tend to be used with the rules section. In fact, in both Hebrew and Greek, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the primary word for obedience is built on the Hebrew and the Greek word for hearing. That we hear instructions from God and we respond to those instructions by doing what we're told. Children, obey your parents. And so in the scriptures, both aspects, observe the rules and obey the instructions, come together to give a more fully orbed picture of what it means to obey. One of the passages where you can see this rather clearly is in Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy 10 says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God? Now watch. To walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Here is a list of things we should fear the Lord, we should love the Lord, we should serve the Lord. But notice that God separates out we should walk in obedience to the Lord and we should observe the decrees and commands. To walk in obedience to the Lord is to hear the instructions like Abraham did and to respond by doing them. To observe the commands is to read the rules and to do the things we've been asked to do in the rules. The rules say don't commit adultery, so to obey is to not commit adultery. For the instructions God may have instructed you to engage with church this morning via the internet. To obey is for you to engage with church this morning via the internet. So when we think about obedience in the Bible, there are these two aspects. Keep the rules, listen to the instructions. The rules are black and white, they are the same for everybody. The instructions, like what God says to Abraham, that can vary from, from person to person. And true obedience is to do both those things. Okay? Why is it so important? Why is it so important to obey? Two reasons I'd like to share with you this morning. For the first, I'd like to invite you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 Matthew's the first book in the New Testament, so it's about three quarters of the way in. Matthew chapter 14. We're gonna look at a story that begins in verse 22. Let me just tell you the context of the story. Jesus and his 12 disciples are there and Jesus is up on a mountaintop praying and he takes his 12 disciples and he makes them get into a boat and to go out onto the Sea of Galilee. So the 12 disciples are in a boat, Jesus is back on the mountain 
As the disciples are on the boat in the Sea of Galilee, they are rowing to try to get across the lake. Um, But the winds are against them. They're not making much progress. They've been blown out into the center of the Sea of Galilee, out into the lake. It's difficult going. And in the midst of the night, Jesus sees them out there. They're out there because he told them to be there. And he goes walking to them on the water. It's one of these great, beautiful stories where only Jesus can do this. He goes walking to them out on the water. And we pick up the story in verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Now, when we think about obedience, I want to draw our attention in this story specifically to verses 28 and 29. Jesus is there walking on the water. Peter sees him and says, Lord, if it's you, and then it's very interesting, we might say, hey, can I have this experience too? But that's not what Peter says. It says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. And then our translation has translated the word, tell me, to come to you on the water. But literally the word means, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus turns around in verse 29 and doesn't say, yes, you may come. He then turns around and orders him onto the water. This is very important because by doing this, this has taken this out of the realm of a request that Jesus is granting to something where Jesus is now commanding Peter and Peter is now obeying. This is a story about obedience. What's the point? Well, it shows us one of the values of obedience is that when we obey, we are as safe as we could possibly be. There is protection that goes with obedience. Peter is out on the water and there is no chance that he's going to drown. Why? Because he's there at Jesus's command. Now please, don't hear me wrong. This doesn't mean that Peter's not gonna have trouble. He does have trouble. He starts to sink. But because he is out there at Jesus's command, he may struggle. He may sink some, he may lose faith, but there's no way he can drown. Because as you can imagine, there is no chance that if Jesus orders him out on that lake, that Jesus is going to abandon him. And so Peter does have trouble, but he's as safe as he can possibly be. We say this, don't we? that the safest place you can be is right in the center of whatever it is God's asking you to do. 
And when Abraham moved to a new land that he didn't know about, when Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water, he was as safe as he could possibly be. It doesn't mean he would avoid trouble. It just means when you and I choose to obey, there is protection that comes with that. Now, before we leave this story, it's also important to notice who else is as safe as they can possibly be? The 11 disciples in the boat. Look back at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. This too is a command. Those 11 disciples are exactly where they're supposed to be. They're not in any danger either. Are they having trouble? Yes, they are. The wind is against them. This is not going very well. But they too are as safe as they could possibly be because everybody in the story is exactly where Jesus commanded them to be. The 11 are in the boat because Jesus commanded them to be in the boat. That had been the orders Peter had been working under until Jesus changed the orders and said, now Peter, I'm commanding you to get out of the boat. The 11 are in the boat. Peter's out of the boat they're having different experiences but everybody is as safe as they could possibly be because they're all obeying Jesus some of Calvary Church have gathered here this morning in the sanctuary you didn't choose to be here you said you were willing to and we cast lots for you to be able to be present here this morning. That means the choice was ultimately up to God. And you are obeying God's command to be in this building this morning. And you are as safe as you could possibly be. Doesn't mean there won't be trouble. You may have had trouble coming here this morning. There may be spiritual warfare. Maybe you woke up this morning and thought, I don't really want to go. Maybe even now you're experiencing fear, like how's this going to work? But in obedience, there is protection. Many of us are watching from home. You too are doing that in obedience. We've given you instructions as a leadership of the church and we've asked you to submit to say, we are not ready to be able to open the church back up fully to have everybody in the building. And so most of you are obeying like the 11 in the boat and you're, you're where God's asked you to be. You too are as safe as you can possibly be. It doesn't mean there's no trouble for you. Perhaps you're having trouble with your internet working. Perhaps when you got up this morning, you're like, it's such a beautiful day. I think I'd rather be outside rather than watching a service. You've chosen to obey by watching online, engaging with church this way. You are as safe as you could possibly be. Obedience brings protection. Peter was ordered out of the boat. He had difficulty, but the Lord was with him. The 11 were ordered to stay in the boat. They too had difficulty, but Jesus was with them. And the beauty of obedience is no matter what we are doing, when we obey the Lord, whether we move or we stay, whether we have this job or we go there, 
Whether we are given these instructions and somebody else is given those instructions, in our obedience, there is protection. Not a lack of trouble, but protection. There's a second great value to obedience that I want to talk about this morning. For this, I'd like you to turn over to the book of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, a few books further on in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. Romans 6, we're going to read a section beginning in verse 14 in just a moment, follows up on Romans 5. And Romans 5 is a discussion of the greatest act of obedience in human history. Jesus following his father's instructions and dying on a cross for our sins. And in Romans 5, Paul says, this one act of obedience overcomes all the disobedience and all the sin in all the world, showing how powerful obedience is. In Romans 6, Paul writes to us to tell us that we should follow in the footsteps of Jesus and obey the Father as he obeyed the Father. And then he lists for us one of the great blessings in obeying God this way. Verse 14, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Sorry, that was verse 15. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness." I'm using an example from everyday life, talking about slavery, because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourself as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. The second benefit of obedience is that it brings life. Jesus' ultimate act of obedience brought life to all who believe. But Paul is saying when you and I choose to follow in his footsteps and obey the rules and obey the instructions, the result is life. Last week we did that, uh, that experiment with the pepper. Uh, I'm sure you remember that. Uh, we put the pepper in the bowl and then it was supposed to represent our sin. It also represented kind of the coronavirus and that kind of stuff. But the point was is that when you stuck your hand in the bowl, it's sin all clung to you. This week, the idea is, is that just as disobedience clings to our hands so that whatever we touch ends up being contaminated, and we have a perfect example in how this virus works, everything we touch gets contaminated. 
so too in the goodness of God because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. When we obey, our hands now can be full of life. Imagine as if your, your hands were covered not with a coronavirus, but imagine they were covered with a vaccine or antibodies so that everywhere you went and everything you touched, you brought life. This is what God is saying is when you and I choose to disobey, we bring death to everything we touch. When we choose to obey, we bring life. Our hands are full of life. And as we become slaves to obedience, as we obey the rules, as we listen to what God tells us to do and we follow, what happens is our life, our hands are full of life. Please hear and understand this. What is the very best thing you can do for you? Obey because it makes you as safe as you can possibly be. What's the very best thing you can do for others? Obey because it causes your hands to be full of life. This is the great blessing of obedience. Which raises the all-important question. How do we go about being obedient children? Obedience, keeping the rules, listening to the instructions and doing them. The blessing is that we are as safe as we possibly can be when we are obeying. We bring life to everything we touch when we obey. And so the question is how? How can you and I be obedient children to our Father in heaven? Step one. Keep the rules. Observe the rules. They're written down for us. They're in black and white. God says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't take my name in vain. Don't covet. Keep the rules. Please. If there's one blessing, silver lining to the fact that with this virus, there seems to be death all around us. And it might not be physical death. It might be economic death. It might be relational death or psychological death. We are living in an environment in which we're constantly thinking about death. The silver lining, this should be a warning to us. If death is all around us, you and I want to be as safe as we can possibly be. It doesn't mean we'll have no suffering or no struggles. I've not said that. I don't think that. I don't think the Bible teaches that. But what I am saying is in the midst of an environment where there is economic death, where there is physical death, where there is psychological death, where there is relational death, where death is all around us, now is not the time to disobey. There's never a good time to disobey but especially not now. Now is not the time to engage in pornography. Now is not the time to lie to your employer about whether you're actually doing work from home or not. Now is not the time to be verbally abusive towards your spouse. Disobedience brings death, and it's like we're living in Egypt and the plague and the Passover is happening all around us, and the urge and the encouragement from the Lord is, now is not the time to play with disobedience. Death is at your doorstep. Now is the time to obey. And if you and I keep the rules, if we choose to have no other God but God, if we choose not to lie, if we choose not to covet, if we choose not to engage in adultery or in lust or in pornography, if we choose not to be abusive but to be a blessing to other people, we are making ourselves as safe 
as we can possibly be. Obey the rules. And we're bringing life instead of death wherever we go. Imagine. Right now we think anywhere we go, we might potentially bring death to somebody else. God says, if you're being obedient, wherever you go, whomever you come in contact with, you'll bring life to them. So step one, keep the rules. There may be something right now. Maybe it was in the list I just gave you. Maybe there's something that the spirit has been impressing upon you this time that we've been talking about obedience. Something that you are doing that you need to stop or something that you're not doing that would be good that you need to start. The urge, the plea, me begging with you, please, to obey is to do those things. Keep those rules. Step two, listen for whatever instructions God's giving you and do them. But you say, how do I know what God's telling me to do? Yes, that is hard. (laughs) Let me just say this in response to that. Children, obey your parents. It's the parent's job to make the instructions clear. It's the parent's job to say, it's time to turn off the video games, or it's time to come in from outside or it's time to get off the floor of mire. It's the parent's job to make the instructions clear. So too, it's God's job to make the instructions clear. If he wants you to move from where you are to another country like he did for Abraham, it's his job to make that clear. Our job is to listen and obey. So for example, at some point, God is going to instruct you to come back and be part of this gathered assembly here in this facility so that we might be one church worshiping in person together. How will he communicate that to you? I don't know. He might use something that the government says. He may use a Bible verse. He may use you submitting to the, uh, the, the process that we have and having your name drawn. He may use a friend encouraging you to do that. He may use something that just simply stirs in your spirit. He may use something that happens in the scientific community or whatever that allows you to feel more protected or as a gift or a grace from God. I don't know how he'll do it, but I do know the burden is on him to communicate that to you and that our job is to listen. Those who heard this morning to be present with us in this sanctuary, are obeying. They're as safe as they possibly can be. They're bringing life to everything they touch. Those of you who've obeyed by staying at home, doing church together uh, as we've asked you to do it, you too are obeying, as safe as you possibly can be, bringing life to everything you touch. When God changes the instructions, when he, tells you it's, when he commands you to get out of the boat, when he tells you it's time to come and gather again, however that may work, our response is simply obedience. Because of Jesus, we now can be obedient children. There are rules to keep. There are instructions to follow. When we do that, we will be as safe as we possibly can be Yes, there may be wind. Yes, there may be waves. Yes, we may sink. But Jesus will not let us drown. And everywhere we go and everything we do will bring life to it.
May God give us the grace to become more and more obedient children of our Father in heaven. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.